if you don't mind a tingling spine or a lump in your throat. If you kind of get a thrill feeling the hair stand up on the back of your neck or you just can't get enough of the eerie, turn down the lights, snuggle up with a blanket and keep your feet tucked up safe because we've got a story for you. It happened to a friend of a friend. I haven't had the booze yet. Oh, okay. Just, well, hi, welcome to my house. Let's cheers. Clink. We're so having drinks. Sarah was saying that I'm all uh, fired up, but I'm just excited because she gave me candy. For Mother's Day, because you're a mother, and I was at the dollar store, and I wanted to get you something kooky and fun. I loved it. So I got you a sparkly fan. I got you nothing, as usual. But you didn't know I was getting you something. We didn't plan no, on it. You always get little things, though. It's fine. I brought the booze. You did bring the booze. Mm-hmm. This I, is good. It's not bad. I know. I beverage. Yeah. yeah. Again, I only got you stuff because I was at the dollar store anyway. Cute. If I wasn't there, I would have gotten you nothing. T-Y-T-Y. I don't know what that is. Thank you. Okay. I'm yeah. not I'm not hip on the lingos. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's not <laughs> hip. That's like old timey now. So how are things? What have you been up to? Nothing. Like nothing. The norm. Weather's finally here. So like mm-hmm. outsidey things. Mm-hmm. What about you? Nothing? Um, I went to Toronto last weekend to visit my mom, and I met up with my sister, and Lucas came with me, and we walked around Kensington Market, and then went to Queen Street, and I bought a dress that was way too expensive. Oh, nice. Can I see it later? Yes. Will you wear it somewhere? Yeah, I can wear it to work. I have to wear like a- I mean like when when we go. Maybe. It's not really an evening oh. ballet dress. It's more during the day. All right. Well, we'll have to But if to we go, go somewhere, like you we'll have to dinner go somewhere in the daytime. Even if we just go to dinner, I'll wear it up there. Fair. But it's not ballet evening appropriate. Okay. In my opinion. Okay. I mean, for some people, maybe. Some people wear jeans. That's accurate. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. Nothing. Same old. But yeah, just shopping and spending money that I don't have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I'm spending money that I don't have, but on like things that I need, like groceries and. I'm not spending it on <laughs> things that I need. <laughs> I wish those days are behind me for the time being, but. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. There's literally nothing going on. I'm just racking up the MasterCard bill without a care in the world. Yeah, well, enjoy your life, YOLO. You can't take it with you. Nope. Everyone else will be responsible for my debts when I die. Do your debts get erased? No, like other people are responsible for them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, my neighbors that... Like, my next-door neighbor is that, the guy that was, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, that he was, like, nice, and then his wife died, and now, like, he deals drugs. Um, You've mentioned him, like, the last few podcasts. I'm eating Sour Patch Kids. Because it's, like, coming to a head now. I don't know why, but first they have this, like, light that, like, it's an automatic light, and it kind of makes me feel safer because of the drugs. But it's <laughs> really bright and shines in our bedroom, and it's on 90% of the night. Yeah. And, it like, this morning it was, like, unhooked. <laughs> and the lights were out. And I was like, yes. I was like, Mike. Like I ran in and I was like, the best thing happened this morning. Because <laughs> tonight it won't be able to shine into our bedroom. So Ooh, that is good. pretty exciting. I don't know if the bank's taken over or not, but they're, they haven't been around as much. I don't know. They're gone in the daytime. Then they come at nighttime to move their shit out at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. Stupid. I feel like I had a story to tell, but yeah. I don't. I you don't can tell me later. If I remember. Oh, I do have something to tell oh, you. What? Go. Oh, um, that Hamilton, uh-huh, which you love. I do. The Broadway cast, because mm-hmm. Sweeney Todd is I a- saw it! Did you? Yeah. Okay, so for the listeners that are now invested in this conversation, <laughs> 
they did a they had the Sweeney Todd people come over and they did like a little Sweeney Todd shout out mashup song. But it was it, it was fun. It was very on par for like our mine and your relationship. It was. I liked it. <laughs> it was perfect. I liked it too. But I thought of you immediately. And now I want to go see Sweeney Todd again. Um, I'll go see Sweeney Todd, but I can't oh. afford it. But like we should go. We should, they had it at Shaw one year. Yeah. Um, I think my mom went to see it at Shaw. I saw. I went to see it. At but Shaw. I love Sweeney Todd. Me too. A lot. I like it. Well, you did a whole episode on it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I sang. <laughs> and I still sing regularly. Go back in the archives. Yeah. So that's all I can think of other than th- Sunday's Mother's Day. So. And both of us just are going to chill. Yeah. I want Taco Bell. Yeah. I want oysters. We have very different tastes <laughs> for, mother, for, mother's for Mother's Day. day. <laughs> I also love tacos very much, but I get them like weekly. Or eat them weekly. I, well, I can't get Taco Bell weekly because, as everyone knows, Taco Bell doesn't sit well with you. I've never had a digestive <gasps> issue with Taco really? Bell. You're, like, the only person. And this conversation just came up about, like, my employees. Like, oh, yeah, my parents. That, that was the time my parents had talk. My family had Taco Bell and got sick. You've never? Taco Bell. Never. Like, it happens to me all the time, but I love it, so I keep getting it. Like, I don't I've care. never once had a stomach issue with ta- Taco Bell. <gasps> really? Nope, you're not like once. an anomaly. Am I? Everyone else like understands the Taco Bell have to eat it at home base situation. No, I could eat Taco Bell daily. I think I did for like a month in oh university. My gosh. I can't. Oh, it's good. It's so good. Oh, it is. I'm not saying it's not good. It's my Mother's Day wish list. I know. Like, well, take an emodium or something. I'll have to. Some Pepto. Yeah, it does not bother me at all. Well. Anyway, I'm Sarah. I'm Megan. And this is... It happened to a friend of a friend. Wee! Okay, you're carrying Taco on. Taco Bell edition. Taco Bell. Okay. So, uh, I have a tiny recap. So, we were talking about Athalia Ponzel Lindsay, who was at 56 years old, was brutally hacked to death outside of her house around 6 p.m. on the evening of... I forget. I don't know. <laughs> it was... Check last week. I don't have my phone in front of me, so I also, can't scroll. my writing started out so neat, and then it's like, you can't even read it at the end. Oh, mine never starts out neat. So, um, a neighbor had sort of seen what was going on, um, but cannot positively give an idea of who did it, although um, he originally claimed it was a specific person. Well, I already said he originally claimed it was uh, neighbor Alan. Why is my, like, brain not working? Alan Stanford. Um, and, but then he later on recanted it. Her husband was pretty much ruled out because the timeline was too tight. She was a beautiful model, actress, dancer. She actually, I found out afterwards, she published a book on gardening and had recently married. However accomplished she was, um, she was not well liked in her new community of St. Augustine, Florida. In fact, her neighbors hated her, reporting her for her pets, noise complaints, her lights being too bright, like my neighbors at night. I never reported it. (laughs) (laughs) And we left off at suspect number two, the next door neighbor, Alan Stanford. Number one, he threatened her. Um, Originally with a witness lock that I just talked about, um, thought he saw that's who was said, that's who he saw attacking her. Um, And Athalia had recently challenged his profession and he was being reprimanded slash investigated. In fact, um, the day of the murder, the, um, the county that was investigating it had driven by earlier that evening to verify Athalia's address. Okay. Um, and, or his address? I don't actually, they live next door, so what's the difference? 
Um, and then he, his response to finding out that she had been killed was asking whether or not she had been shot or cut. Oh, um, he apparently showed no remorse. Neither did his family. Um, they acted like nothing had happened. The, the daughter, and I think the granddaughter was lived granddaughter, I think in quotes, I think they were raising her like her daughter, um, were outside playing in the yard. Um, they didn't lock the doors that night. They were more concerned about the dad being a suspect than, uh, somebody being hacked to death next door. Um, and, uh, in front of families of Athalia, he had actually said, you're a vicious, evil woman. And one day I'm going to fix you. Ooh, a little bit damning. Um, he could have committed the murder, hopped over to his garage and drove back to work. To it's a page, page turn. turner. Woo! It's a literal page her. turner. It doesn't even have that. Um, <laughs> so on February 17th, Henry Deward, quote, or also known as Dewey Lee, alerted the police to a finding. Spoiler alert, Alan's defense will report that Dewey is a suspect because Dewey had been, quote, searching for evidence. And he conveniently found it. So this is our next suspect. Suspect number three. Ooh. So uh, basically they released uh, like a, a, an award, a reward for um, finding the murder weapon or mm -hmm. any evidence. And so he was known to actually like go to the dump and try to find um, old things and fix them up and sell them. So he had been searching uh, for about two weeks and finally he had found... Um, a, quote, package, which was actually a towel wrapped with a belt. And inside, he found a white shirt, dark blue uh, trousers, a tie, a watch, a pair of shoes, and a diaper, all sullied with blood. Ooh. And um, they, not far away, there was a machete. That's crazy. So, um, pretty sure they found the the things but yes um i guess the blood they couldn't match it because they didn't do, have dna evidence at the time but they're pretty sure it's like obvious this is a quiet community there was only one murder that had recently occurred mm -hmm. um and then there's actually more which we'll get to later um nothing came of dewey as a suspect except that during again alan ended up going on trial during the trial they pointed the finger at him a lot how convenient it was that he had found the things um, and then another possibility was there was a witness statement of a middle-aged, quote, Cuban man seen entering the yard a couple of weeks prior to this. Also led to nothing. So it's suspect number four. Okay. On February 22nd, Alan Griffith Stanford was arrested. His story was that he was home before the murder. His wife had said she had fixed him a drink and he was chilling. And then he went back to the office to do some evening work returning home again at 7 p.m. So he had gone to the office where she was killed between like 5.30 and 6. And then he just like left after she was killed. That's kind of questionable. He just peaced out. Yeah. Uh, to do evening work. <laughs> and then when, <laughs> Nighttime he, things. when he returned at 7 p.m., that's when he said, was she shot or cut? Okay. So um, people had confirmed his alibi that they saw him at the going to the office at 7 p.m. Um, but nothing really kind of fit in, like everything was like really like 
fit too neat almost. Um, and then he had also admitted to recently borrowing a machete to do yard work from the county. What? Okay. Why do you need a machete? Like how big is your landscaping? So what I, what, like I learned through the podcast and stuff is that, or through the podcast through, like I listened to a couple podcasts for this and then I was doing, um, other research. I read a book partially. Ooh, read a book. <laughs> yeah. There's a book written about it and I read like <laughs> half the book. Um, the, that in Florida, because the, the, um, like the brush is so dense, people commonly carry machetes. So like when they found it was a machete, they were like, shit, everybody has a machete. Her husband had had a machete, um, jinx in the, um, in the boot of his, the trunk of his car Mm -hmm. and it was still there. So like it wasn't a weapon, Mm -hmm. but apparently it was quite common for people to have that to do their garden work. Oh, Okay. So he said he borrowed a machete from the county, but he said he didn't know what he did with it. He didn't return it. And then the police were like, oh, okay, well, we'll check your car and see if it's in your car. And he was like, oh, actually, yeah, I did return it. But then he <laughs> they went and like to the county guy and he's like, no, man, I like I keep meticulous records. And he did not return that. And he got like, I guess, Alan Stanford went after the guy whose name was Freddie, I think. And he was like, why did you tell them that you I didn't return it? He was like, I, you didn't. <laughs> and he just kind of like was like you sold me out man that sort of thing man yeah um which he had also only changed his story after they were like okay well we're gonna check your car see if it's there um so then when um what kind of started to come about and one of the things that tipped the police off first was that when they were talking to these people at the alibi or like the rumors it was such a small tight community they all talked to each other um they were um people were like well basically he told me to tell 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 you we saw him like he told us what to say we said it Mm -hmm. um and there were people who were like indebted to him they were his workers they were um one of the guys lived on like land he owned he basically like owned them Mm -hmm. um and then so they basically were like yep fabricated alibi the community when he was arrested were really upset because they loved him. Like he was a relatively quiet man and it was a wealthy community and he's one of the elite. And so people were pretty upset when he was arrested. Um, and they were even like, we don't care if he's guilty because the failure was a loud mouth and we didn't really like it. Oh, right. <laughs> pretty much. So don't be a loud mouth because your neighbors might turn on you. Yeah. Um, so, oh yeah. Also in the bundle of blood there or the bundle of clothes and stuff, there was blonde hair. Okay. Which Athalia was blonde. Right. Um, so in the pile, there was also a watch that had a serial number. Ooh. Which is traceable. Yes. So they went back to the jeweler and the jewel, whose name was Charles Tanner, said this is Alan Stanford's watch. Always scrape off serial numbers. I've also, <laughs> I've also, um, uh, like fixed it, repaired it and stuff. I had, he had receipts and proof of the repair. Mm-hmm. Um, his... The shirt had had his name on it in like an invisible ink, like an identifier or whatever, where you put it under, like you can see it, you put it under the right, I don't know. But the dry cleaner then also identified it, having cleaned it (laughs) recently. This is a brilliant person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant person. So, um, So basically his clothing was identified. As for the diaper, they did have a baby at home, so maybe he was just using something to like clean things up now he took a lie detector test but he didn't take a lie detector test for the police he hired somebody to do his own lie detector test oh don't they 
good idea or anything? So he went to this guy who does it for a jewelry store. Um, and uh, basically they do it to see like if employees are going to be honest with like not stealing jewelry and stuff. Okay. And then when um, like the police went back to question that guy, they were like, oh, or question the jewelry store. They were like, he's not really certified. Like this is like... We just use this as kind oh, of like a tool. Oh, it wasn't I thought you meant like somebody else was taking the test for him, but it was just like not the police no. administering it. Oh, okay. It wasn't the police administering it. Somebody else administered it, but they weren't really like able to do so. Right. And it was just also sketchy that he was like, I'm not going to do it for you, but I'll go pay somebody to do it. It was like he just thought he could buy off everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, he might not have done this, but kind of seems like he did. So his response to finding things that were obviously his were that that stuff was stolen. Which he okay. didn't claim before then. He just claimed it just then and there. Um, so they also found evidence in the house. Um, they found blood in the garage and on cement blocks. Remember, I think or, um, last week I had said there was actually a blood trail over like a little cement wall mm-hmm. into their yard. Um, so there was a literal trail. And, oh, in the car. Okay. So there was blood in the car. Um, so he pretty much... Like, did it, right? Pretty much. <laughs> like, we're in agreement. <laughs> um, they tried to move the trial out of county because they knew he was an influential, um, but that got denied. And then they actually were able to suppress the evidence in his house in the car of blood. Ooh. So they got all of that because I there was, like, a timeline or something on the paperwork that they fought against. So all of that was t- stricken off the thing. The jury was also a jury of his peers. So same, the local wealthy community that, like, yeah. revered him. And Adelia did have some friends amongst the crowd, but she was definitely, like, not favored in this community. So people didn't really care. Like, nobody expressed concern over her death. People mm-hmm. were more scared for themselves. Like, like, there's a murderer out there, right? Right. Um, so he was found not guilty. Of course. And uh, no charges were laid. I think he actually even filed a complaint, too. Uh, in 2006, he died of cancer. Okay. Before he died, they actually moved away. And then before he died, his wife actually died of cancer. And she didn't leave him anything in the will. She only left his daughters with um, money. And then he sued them for, for the money. Because he was an, bitter? He didn't get any money? Yeah, because he was an asshole. He's dead, so I can say that. Um, <laughs> there's a little bit more to this story. Okay. So we don't know who killed Athalia 100%. Um, they could probably reopen it, but I guess most of the evidence went missing. Of course it is. Conveniently. Conveniently it went missing. And then anything that was, was not like held properly. So like wouldn't necessarily be able to get any real evidence from it. It's been ruined kind of thing from elements and such. But again, this case probably hasn't really been reopened and looked into because things are so microscopic right now. They probably could, Mm -hmm. but I think they also think they know who did it. Yeah. Like, they're pretty sure. Um, So it was in November. So 70-year-old Frances Bemis uh, was a former, 76, or she was 76, um, was a former fashion consultant, and she worked at a department store uh, as a relations executive. She was uh, also a really big member of the community. She did a lot of volunteer. She volunteered for the Humane Society. She was active in the community. She actually even tried to set up like a welcome wagon because people would come and move to 
St. Augustine, um, and then they would move away because it wasn't friendly. Mm -hmm. So she tried to set up a committee, but it had closed. And this was years before Athalia came. And when Athalia came, she was really nice to Athalia. So they were friends, I guess. They were besties. They weren't besties, but they were friends. They got along. Um, And then she apparently claimed that she knew that Alan killed Athalia because someone saw him and she was urging this person to go to the police. Ooh. Um, I guess one of the neighbor or it's kind of confusing. I don't know if it was the neighbor who had like said that she had said this in the first place, or if it was the um, person she said like she was urging to do it, but apparently they were like friends of Alan Stanford and supporters and didn't want to come forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, there was some confusion over which was which. Um, and on November 3rd, so Blah, blah, blah. November 3rd, 1974, so the same year, apparently, um, Athalia was killed end of January, I believe. February 22nd was when Alan was arrested. So this is November of that year. So, you know. And um, apparently police were called uh, around 7 in the evening about a scream and came out to uh, Marine Drive and they found nothing. And then the next morning... At an empty lot at 46 Marine Drive, a neighbor walking the dog, so this is the next, the morning after, found the body of Frances Bemis. Oh. She was strangled and she, her head was beaten with a cinder block. Because she knew too much? She was on her usual stroll. Oh. Nothing else happened like violent in the community before or after for a really long time. And no suspects. People did say, oh, Alan did this because she knew because it was coming out that she claimed she had information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is yet to be solved. Oh, my goodness. And that is the brutal murder of um, Athalia Ponza Lindsay and Francis Bemis. That's crazy. Yeah. I never want to know too much. <laughs> Just don't let people know you know too much. That's true. Yeah. I can keep all the secrets. Yeah, that's just crazy. Like, it's just, can you imagine just being, I don't know. It's not like they're, it's not like walking downtown Hamilton. Sorry, Hamilton people. Um, <laughs> where, like, you would expect to maybe have that happen, but, like, I don't know. Maybe there was just a crazy person out there killing people. Maybe. The thing is, like, uh, Athalia's murder was, like, obviously a murder of rage. Like, you right. tell it was a murder of rage, right? Mm-hmm. Um um, so probably someone who knew her. And that's, that's it. Wow. I can't believe how long some of these stories are when it's like a single victim. Cause it's so tangled. Cause, yeah. Cause there's so many Oops. avenues, right? Like when I do, cause I'm like, I'm the same, like I'm always like, do I want to do this as a two parter? And then like, no, I just want to get it done. Yeah. But then I don't hit everything. Yeah. So, um, you want to be thorough. Two notes, though. Did you hear about that woman who wrote a book about grieving for her child, like a children's book for grieving? Um, oh, yeah. The parent after the husband died. Like, I think I was, I was just, before you got here, I was listening to, I think, Hollywood true crime scene or something, and yeah. they were talking about it. Yeah. So her husband died, and she wrote a grieving book for her children. And, she's and she just murdered been, him. She's just been arrested for yeah. his murder. Yeah. She gave him, like, fentanyl. Yeah. I just literally just listened to that before you got here. Crazy shit. Crazy. And then I've been watching. Say it again. We're like. I know. Matched up. Same person. Oh my God. Um, we, I watched Candy. Did you watch that? 
Know do you what know that what that is? is? It's maybe I'll do the story one time, but that is like an involved story. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, there's also on Crave, it's called like Love and Death with Elizabeth Olsen, but I watched there on Disney Candy. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. Okay. It's about like an affair and a murder and Ooh, scandal. Yeah. It's very scandal. I was going to do the story and I was like, this one's long too. All right. If it's long enough for a mini series, it's too long to do a fucking story on a podcast. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. So I have sources, history.com, BuzzFeed, Insider.com, WatchMojo.com. So WatchMojo, not play Ojo, WatchMojo. I know what WatchMojo is. Okay. All right. Speaking of scandals, mm -hmm. that's, that's fun that it segued into that for me. Nice. Look let's, at that. Let's go. Okay. Growing up in the 80s, 90s, and to a lesser extent, the 2000s, a lot of my childhood was peppered with game shows. Staying home from school and watching Bob Barker on The Price is Right. Did you stay home and watch Price is Right? Yeah. What was your favorite game? The Price is Right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I have a favorite game. I just like guessing the shit. I like guessing the prices I like the of mountain things. climber. Oh, yeah. I mountain climber would go up. I just like the guessing prices on shit. I don't know. I just I like was it. always right. Were you? Yeah, like ninety right. percent of the time, and I had no concept because I was just a child, and I was like, "That's three fifty. <laughs> and I didn't shop. I don't know. I just liked guessing. Um. Okay. Uh, watching Wheel of Fortune. Wait. What? Yeah. No, go ahead. What? No. What are you gonna no, say? No, go ahead. Keep going. No. No, I'm good. Okay. Watching Wheel of Fortune with my Nana, or the wheel, as she called it, wanting to run the aisles on Supermarket Sweep, or trying to guess what the license plate said on Bumper Stumpers. Did you ever watch Bumper Stumpers? I love Bumper Stumpers. I know. It's a good show. Um, what is the, what is the Supermarket Sweep? I don't even know what that is. Supermarket Sweep? No. They had to, like, guess. It was, like, a price guessing game. They had to, like, answer questions and guess prices, and then... At the end, there was, like, three teams, and at the end, someone off the team would have to, like, run down the aisles, and you had to try and get as many groceries and, like, have oh. the highest total. Okay. So, like, when you guessed the answers, like, you would get more time added to your Do you get to keep stuff. the groceries? I don't think so. Oh, well, that would be more fun. Everybody always grabbed the obus forms. There was always an aisle that had, like, obus form back things Because they're expensive? It. Yeah. Oh. Nice. Or there was, like, like, big wheels of cheese and big things of meat. People would always grab those. Smart. Yeah. I only know that now as an adult. Um, I, yeah, I love supermarkets. You didn't do, you didn't say Family Feud. Well, I can't name all of them. Okay. I was trying. That was to, a big one. I know, but I wanted to also do like the deep cuts. Okay. Like bumper stumpers. Okay. I feel like Family Feud. <laughs> I love okay. These shows were part of my evening or early morning TV watching, and we all know how much I love watching TV. Oh, I also love Jeopardy. Okay, well, like, I watched all these other ones, okay, too, I but I can't list all of them. Okay, I just, those are the best ones. Gosh. Okay. And I secretly dreamed of being, one day, being called down to answer questions or guess prices. On the surface, these shows are wholesome fun for the whole family. Until they're not. Submitted for the approval of our podcast listeners, I bring you Game Show Scandals. Dun, dun, dun. We should do this more often. I know. Also, it's one of my favorite kind of episodes. A list of things. Yay. You, yeah, you love a list of I things. I love them. You do. I always think they're easy to write and then they're not that easy to write. Well, that's your that's your problem. I'm not blaming anyone Did else. you do one, a game show scandal before? And I, I don't think game shows. Okay. I don't think so. I know I did like amusement parks and stuff. No, I thought you like did just one specific thing. No, okay. 
Maybe I did one. I don't know. I don't know. Continue on with your story. Game shows have been around for years. Since there has been TV, there has been people competing for some type of prize. Yes, there were also similar shows on the radio, but I'm focusing on the visual here. In the 50s, people fell in love with quiz shows. These shows were tense, had close-ups of the audience, and the focus was on one contestant trying to think of an answer. Who wants to be a millionaire? That's one of my things. I'm just going to Tourette's all these different... Things. So the first one is the $64,000 question, a show called Dotto and 21, because they all kind of had the same scandal. Okay. The show $64,000 question was a trivia type show where people could win, wait for it, $64,000. Bullshit. <laughs> On screen, contestants would struggle to think of answers, but backstage, they were often subtly being told information. Staff, such as receptionists, lighting guys, or producers, would casually bring up topics and info that would later be included on the show. Many contestants didn't realize this, but suspicions started to arise. In 1955, Dr. Joyce Brothers was a contestant before she had gained her other fame like as a psychologist and stuff. You've heard of Dr. Joyce Brothers, right? No. Oh. She's, she's famous. Famous, yeah. Cool. Um, she was an expert in boxing, or at least that's what she was told to be an expert in, and studied for a month and a half before the show. She answered all her questions correctly, even when the producers tried to stump her with harder ones. She answered all of, all of them right and won the grand prize. The show Dotto was similar. It was a trivia game where contestants had to connect dots with every right answer. It was soon discovered that some players were given answers before the show. One of the most famous scandals happened on the show 21. This story is the basis for the 1994 movie Quiz Show. Apparently, the show was rigged, like the actual quiz show. Apparently, mm-hmm. the show was rigged from the start to make it more exciting. Former contestant Charles Van Doren has said he was coached on how to answer, what the answers were, and even how to dress. Like, he was told, like, wipe your brow now and look really nervous now. And, like... Oh. Down so, like, to the they're final. not really real quiz shows. They just entertainment, kind of, yeah, like scripted. Yeah. Eventually, all the sh- all the stories came out, and the case went to court. In 1960, the Communications Act was amended because at the time there really was no law mm-hmm. against it. Um, amended, and they and game shows could no longer be fixed. Fun fact, though, why? Because fun, fun facts, facts are fun. fun. Bing. Bop. This downturn of quiz shows led to the one and only Jeopardy. Producer Merv Griffin lamented to his wife the new suspicion of any remaining quiz shows. He worried people would think they were... Excuse me, I burped a little bit. He worried people would think they were being given the answers. His wife suggested he should give the answers, and they should lose money if they asked the wrong questions. She said that would put them in Jeopardy. Whoa. I know. I love that because I love Jeopardy. (laughs) Okay. Number two, the Price is Right scandals. Okay. The game show of everyone's childhood. Scandals? Yes. Okay. The game show of everyone's childhood. We didn't want... Who didn't want to bid on the first prize, play a game, or spin the wheel hoping to get to that dollar? There have been a few of the models who sued the show for sexual harassment and wrongful termination. Holly Hallstrom was a model on the show from 1977 to 1995. I remember Holly on the show. I remember her. She was one of the regular models. Okay. Yeah. She was eventually let go to due to budget cutbacks, but Holly says she was fired after gaining weight from medication she was taking. Um, we don't want a fat model. Yeah. <laughs> 
They went to court, and although Bob Barker and producers claimed that was not the case, Holly was awarded millions in a settlement. Wow. Um, yeah. I guess there was a quote that I saw that Bob Barker said, if you were fired for gaining weight, you would have been fired a long time ago. <gasps> oh, my gosh. That's fucking horrible. <laughs> Brandy Cochran. Fucking men. Yes. Sorry. Brandy Cochran, another former model on the show, accused producers of harassing her during her pregnancy. In 2008, she said they called her wide load and told her she was putting on weight. How dare she get pregnant? How How dare dare she put on weight while pregnant? She ended up losing one of the babies. She was pregnant with twins and gave birth to the other one early. When she tried to return to work after her time off, she discovered she was not on the schedule. (laughs) She sued CBS and was eventually settled for an undisclosed amount. A more lighthearted Price is Right story is that of The Perfect Bid. Have you seen this on Netflix? No. Oh, there's a Netflix special on it. Some people love game shows and some people really love game shows. So much they look for patterns and crack the codes. Yeah. Super fan Ted Slauson discovered repeating products and memorized them. He made it and eventually he made it on the show in 1992 but didn't get past the showcase showdown. But he kept coming back. He would help people he was sitting around if they made a connection. If you don't know the show, the audience can shout out numbers to help contestants with guessing. During one taping, Ted sat next to another bidder, hopeful, Terry Meese. I think it's Meese. It's K-N-I-E-E-S-S. And his wife. Ted and the couple made a friendly connection, and when Terry got called down, Ted helped him with his bids. The two had more in common than just the love of game shows. Terry had also been studying the prices and prizes, but Ted had been doing it like 10 years prior. Like he had also, been I love it that it's Ted and Terry because yeah. it's not confusing. Ted and Terry. <laughs> when Terry made it to the showcase showdown, the excitement was dialed up to 11. In the audience, Ted told Terry's wife the prizes were po- approximately worth $23,000. There's a lot of T's there. Yeah. Tongue twister. Yes. Terry guessed $23,743. He said the $743 came from a combination of his anniversary and wife's birth month. The bid was exactly right, (gasps) and producers were shocked. They tried to figure out if Terry had been cheating, but it came down to superfan Ted yelling bids, as he was known to do, from the audience. Terry has maintained he came up with the number on his own, but Ted claims he gave Terry the correct bid. Wow. Yes. Did he share 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 some money? No. No. Well, okay. Okay, number three, Press Your Luck. The game show Press Your Luck debuted on CBC in 1983. CBC or CBS? CBC is Canadian, right? So probably CBS. I just wrote CBC. In 1983, the game's premise consisted of trivia questions where contestants earned spins on a prize board. The board contained prizes as well as whammies. You know, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Stop. You know that? No. Come on. You're killing me, Smalls. Um, I was a child and watched child things. Is Press Your Luck a... Have, did you watch it? I watched it a little bit. Like, it was on in the 80s. I remember it. I think it made a comeback a few years ago. They did, like, a reboot oh. of it. Anyway. I was definitely too young in the 80s. Anyway. The flashing board spaces would light up randomly and contestants stopped on a space by pressing a button. In 1984, ice cream truck driver Mike Larson came on the show and totally dominated. He ended up taking home $100,000, which is around $300,000 in today's money. But there was some suspicion that he was cheating. 
After looking into it, production discovered Mike wasn't cheating, but had watched the show um, and he discovered a pattern in the way the board flashed. He realized the board wasn't actually random. There were actually only five different patterns and he memorized them. Apparently the board was never randomized for the pilot and it was never corrected. Hmm. After the show was made aware of this, they changed the board so it would cycle through 32 different patterns. After appearing on the show, Mike used his winnings to pay taxes and invested a large amount in real estate deals that went bad. He ended up losing everything in two years. He eventually fled Ohio where he was living while under fraud investigations and was found living in Florida. He died in 1999 from throat cancer. Oh, that's sad. That's not the best ending. No, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm a little tipsy off this half a beverage I've had. Okay. The last one I have. There's more game game show scandals. Yeah, you didn't do the murderer. Well, because I figured that can be like a whole thing on its own. Yeah. I didn't want to do that one. That's the one I thought you had already done, but maybe not. No. Okay. I think you mentioned it one time. I think you mentioned it. Maybe. I didn't do a story I on I think it, you though. did a story on the guy and was like, oh, he was on this game show. Mm, Maybe no, I don't think so. Okay. No. Okay. I dreamt it. Maybe. Okay, number four. Who wants to be a millionaire UK version? Okay. We all know this show. I keep saying that, but apparently you don't know any of these shows. So I know I who should, wants to be a millionaire. I already I should stop it. saying that. Okay. It was everywhere. For those that don't, maybe you're too young to have lived through the millionaire era. It's a quiz show where contestants are given multiple choice style questions. There's no time limit for answers. They have various lifelines, three to be exact, and no audience participation. Contestants contestants can talk through the questions. Contestants, sorry, can talk through the questions until they are ready to make their final answer. In 2001, Charles Ingram, a novelist and former British Army major, was a contestant on the British version of the show. His wife and brother had been contestants before him, and now it was his turn. Charles made it to the final question. He had to answer, his question was, he had to answer what the number followed by 100 zeros was called. Spoiler, it's Google, but it's G-O-O-G-O-L. Oh. Yeah. Um, and this was before Google, I think, because it was 2001. Okay. Um. The final question did a lot of, he did a lot of back and forth, out loud guessing, then finally answered correctly. Producers had suspicions of possible cheating, though. After reviewing the recording, the sh- after reviewing the recording, the show found a connection between his answers and a cough in the audience. The coughs were linked to Charles's wife and a friend. Charles went to court and was charged with procuring the execution of a valuable security by deception. What? Wow, that's a big charge. Because whenever he would be asked a question, yeah, he would, would the cough. Yeah, he would go through the answers, and he would like there would be a cough yeah. for one of them. So he would kind of hem and haw and make it yeah. look like he was thinking about it, but then he would answer that one. Um, Charles was fined fifteen thousand dollars as well as his wife and the friend. He was also dismissed from his job in the British Army. Right. I also read that they went. Like, they had prison sentences for two years, but I don't know. That's a lot for, like, for, a little cheat on a game show. Yeah, like, just pay a fine. So, yeah, those are my game show scandals. There's tons of them. Like, I could do another episode. Interesting. I could do another one. There's tons of game show scandals. 
What's your throwback? My throwback is the Nestle Quick Chocolate Powder in the tin. <gasps> Remember when it would come in yes, a tin? Because you had it with your kid had it the other day, right? Nesquik. But it's not in a tin. No, but Mike, the day after, <laughs> went and got the Nesquik in a tin because that's what I like. And he knows Where did I, he get it in a tin? I, don't, I think he just saw it at the grocery store and got it for me because he's like, Meg loves this. And it was the <laughs> day after your kid was making hot chocolate <laughs> with the Nesquik. Because I haven't seen it in a tin. Like, I see it in the container. And, like, you had to pop the lid off and... Like, smash it back down. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, I know it's like the peel-off thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. I That's know what, what came in the Yeah, tip. I'll take a picture. Okay. What's yours? Okay, right. So I guess it's not really can a you, throwback. It's can you a guess? Thing. Can you guess? What am I guessing? Miss Mary Mack, all dressed in black, with silver buttons all down her back. <laughs> um, I'm showing her a picture, a meme of a lady... Make sure you send that to me so I can post it. So you can it. post it? Yeah. How funny, right? Did you That's do amazing. that? Those clappy of games? Of course I did. Yeah. For the young viewers who don't know what it is. Didn't you do clappy games? I feel like you're repeating your throwbacks. Are you sure you didn't do clappy Okay, well, games? I had to do it for the picture. Okay, fine. Okay. Um, my throwback is Barney. Barney. <laughs> the dinosaur. <laughs> the purple dinosaur. Okay. I love you. There's a thing you on something me. for that right now, too. We're, I know. I kind of want to watch it. We can watch that it. That wasn't my generation. It was like the, a, young, a little bit younger than me, but... I forget what streaming it's on. It. I think it's on Crave. We can watch it if you want. Yeah, I have Crave. We should watch The Love and Death. What's that? That's the one about this murderer person that I'm talking about. Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get into it, then you're going to binge watch it after without me. Well, you leave. What am I supposed to do? Can't live here. Anyway, we're not superstitious, but we're a little stitious. Bye. Bye.